0: Hi, I'm Justine and I'm here to tell you being mentally ill isn't the end of the world. I know what it's like to live with a mental illness. It's hard. You're constantly trying to hide your struggles from others and you feel like you're weaker than others because of your illness, but that's not true. So many badasses struggle with mental illnesses, but they don't talk about them because they're afraid of being judged or thought of as weak minded. Well guess what? They're not. We can change that by talking openly about our struggles and sharing our stories with each other in a positive light. This is why I created Mentally a Badass, so we can come together as badasses who are also mentally ill or who's had it rough in life and share our stories with one another in a safe place that celebrates our strengths rather than shames our weaknesses. I hope this podcast helps you feel less alone in this crazy life of ours and I hope it makes your life just a little bit better. Welcome to today's episode. In this insightful conversation, I have the pleasure of speaking with Jessica, a dear friend of mine and a mother of two. Jessica graciously joins us to discuss a range of important topics that many moms can relate to. We delve into the realities of mom brain, the challenges of mom guilt, the impact of postpartum depression, and Jessica's personal mental health journey. This episode is dedicated to all of the moms out there who may question their abilities and need advice from someone who understands firsthand. So sit back, relax, and let's dive into this meaningful conversation that will offer encouragement and guidance to fellow moms on their beautiful journey of motherhood. Welcome back to Mentally a Badass. My name is Justine, and today is a very special episode. We are going to be focusing on motherhood, and I have my good friend, Jessica I'm going to hype her up because she's going to probably feel embarrassed. Um, I'm purposely doing that. She is the queen of motherhood, in my opinion. Um, when I was away in New Jersey for a couple of weeks, I, when I was taking care of my uh, friend's kid, I was like, oh, no, I don't know what I'm doing. So I text Jessica and she helped me. And I was like, you know what? You're the perfect person. And she's ready to be vulnerable today and talk about what she goes through. And so, yeah, thanks for coming onto my podcast. Thank you for having me
1: and for thinking of me.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) All right. So just like in every episode, we like to always uh, talk about you, talk a little bit about your past. Just we're not going to get too deep into it because I want this to be um, heavily focused on you as a mother today. But I do want to ask before you became a mother, did you have like any
1: struggles with your mental health, um, such as like anxiety and depression? I did. Yes. So um, about five or six years before I um, became a mom, I was diagnosed with just generalized anxiety disorder um, during college, especially. That was when I really struggled the most because I was going to school full time and working full time and started to recognize some anxiety and depression symptoms. And that's when I um, decided to reach out to my doctor for help. So had been struggling on and off. For a few years before I became a mom.
0: Well, thanks for sharing that. So, did you um? When did you know that you were like, I want to be a mother? Let's talk about that.
1: Uh, I've pretty much always wanted to be a mom, um, mm-hmm. my entire life. I grew up with a very large family, lots mm-hmm. of little kids, and uh, my extended family. And age-wise, I always fell right in the middle of all of my cousins. So. Pretty much everybody was either much older than me or very much younger than me. So I was always designated babysitter at family functions. And I babysat neighborhood kids, I mean, since I was like eight or nine years really? old. Yeah. So um, I've always loved being with little ones and knew I wanted a family. Um, and that was one of the things that brought my husband and I closer together when we were thinking about getting married. Because he wanted a family as well. So um, something that I've always looked forward to in life.
0: And you always have like that nurturing part of you. I mean, when I first, uh, when I first met you, I remember I was like, man, she has her life put together. She's a leader. She is amazing. <laughs> and you always just kind of like had that nurturing. I mean, a um, little background here for people who are listening. She's my boss. <laughs> <laughs> um, just to throw that out there, put that in perspective. Um, but she, I was, I mean, technically you were my boss. But you're kind of just like, also kind of like, you like to say you're my mother, but I'd say you're this big sister, but you're a very nurturing person. (laughs) And like, you always just highlight those like nurturing, um, like skills when it comes to like the team and stuff like that. Um, So I'm going to transition to it's kind of kind of go completely opposite. But um, when you had your first child, did you ever have like moments where you're like experiencing
1: like self doubt? Every single minute of every single day. Um, I, it was almost a little unexpected because when I was preparing for motherhood, when I was pregnant, I felt very confident because I had a lot of experience with young children and with babies. But the minute I had my own, um, small little helpless baby to take care of, um, I questioned every single decision and every move I made every single day. And I, I mean, I still do today. I'm a about three, a little over three years into parenthood now, and I, it, it's it's almost crushing sometimes mm-hmm. feeling like, am I making the right decision? Is my decision to do something away from my children during the day um, when we have a free day together where I could be spending time with them instead? Is that the right yeah. thing? Am I, am, am I making the right choice in what they're eating for breakfast, yeah. lunch, and dinner? I fed someone muffins that had extra sugar in them. Like, oh my gosh, they're gonna be screwed up nutritionally for the rest of their lives. Like, oh, I yes. literally question myself all the time.
0: Do you think usually with um when it comes to like self-doubt or like mom guilt, at least from my research, it was saying it would stem from something as feeling like from your like your past. Do you think there's like something from your childhood that gives you that kind of anxiety that you fear? Cause like I know a lot of parents that oh my gosh oh, oh, I think I screwed up my kid or things like that like but scientifically they say like oh it stems from something in your child. you think do you can you think of like anything that you feel that may have made you feel like that today in your adulthood?
1: I've talked to my therapist a lot about this exact <laughs> this exact th- thing. Um, for me, I think it's something to do with my perfectionism, and uh, yeah, I you are like striving- that. <laughs> yes. I am such a perfectionist and I'm really tough on myself. And one thing that's really difficult when you're, in, when you're a parent, when you're a mom, is that there is no perfect way to do anything. There is no mm-hmm. right way to do anything. And mm-hmm. so I'm always trying to, I feel like I'm always trying to make a decision that is the right decision, but there are a million ways to interpret what that means for you and your family. And mm-hmm. there's no one giving you feedback. There's no one being like, yes, that was a good decision for you to make. Yes, you did the right thing. You're, you're You know, you're a good mom. Um, And people have told me throughout my life that, well, if you're wondering that you're, you know, if you're a good mom or not, you already are because you care enough Mm -hmm. to wonder if you're a good mom. Yeah, no, it's true. But I always tell my husband that, like, I cannot wait for the day that I can ask my kids, am I a good mom to you? And they're like, yes, mommy. Like, I can't wait for that day because… don't know when they're little; they have no way to tell you.
0: (laughs) Yeah, no. She right now they're just like very like lovey and like want mommy and and things like that. So I was going to ask you: Have you ever had someone come up to you and be like, "Oh, you shouldn't do it like this. You shouldn't do like that," and kind of give you like unsolicited advice or kind of shame you in any way? Do you ever have to experience that?
1: Um, I have not experienced it from a stranger. I've never had somebody come up to me and make a comment or a suggestion. Um. Also, though, I feel like I kind of go out into public with that attitude of like, you just try to approach me and see what I say, see how I react to you if you come up at to me out of nowhere. What if <laughs> trying feel to like offer you posted something about that
0: on Facebook like a year or two ago or something? I don't know. It sounds familiar. Like something happened in public.
1: <laughs> I had um I had someone make a comment to me that um about pushing a stroller. Is that is that? I what think you're it was. Of? I
0: think that was something like that. It was something where you were like you and like. You were so angry on Facebook or whatever. I, I I like vaguely remember the post. I think it was like a year ago, but it was probably the the stroller post thing or something like that. What was it?
1: Yeah, there was um there was a gentleman who approached me and my family when we were at, I think it was Target. And um my crochet. husband was walking alongside me. I was pregnant at with my second at the time, and I was pushing my my oldest in a stroller. And he made a comment about how Um, like my husband was doing it right. Having me push the stroller because women don't know how to drive and it's a good way to teach us how to drive (laughs) something super, super sexist. So yeah, yeah, I definitely ranted about that on Facebook.
0: I mean, I would too. Oh my God. I'm just like, makes me just so angry. Wow. I can't just remember that right now. I feel like I like when I do conversations, um, with like, you know, friends and stuff like that, it's always something I'm like, Oh my God, I totally like forgot about that like three years ago. And it just comes into, it just randomly, just unexpectedly comes into like the, the interview conversation (laughs) that happens a lot. Um, let's talk about, um, postpartum depression. And you mentioned to me off recording that you have experienced that, can you chat a little bit about your experience to my audience?
1: Yes, absolutely. Um, So I was very, very aware of postpartum depression going into pregnancy and parenthood in general. I was really worried that I was going to end up struggling with it because Mm -hmm. I have had struggles with anxiety and depression before having kids. And um, my daughter, my oldest, she was born in May of 2020. Um, As we all remember, the height of the COVID pandemic at the time. Mm -hmm. So... um, When she was born, I was so focused on adjusting to parenthood, but also trying to navigate the pandemic and all of the scary things that were going along with it at that time that I didn't even realize I was in a really, really bad, dark place mentally, um, and that it might be related to postpartum. I didn't even put that together because there were so many other things going on at the time. But I, I really, really struggled after my daughter was born. Um, I would, I was also breastfeeding, which causes a lot of hormonal changes Mm -hmm. and fluctuations. And um, there was a time I can remember about a week after my daughter was born that I was sitting on the couch, couch um, nursing and we were just watching TV. Like my husband was sitting next to me and I just started, there was nothing wrong, but I just started sobbing uncontrollably could not stop crying and my husband called my mom who lives three hours away and was like you need to come because Mm -hmm. I don't know how to help her Mm -hmm. and uh, but I was so overwhelmed with like pandemic things and I wasn't sleeping very much I didn't even realize at the time that hey that could be a sign that something was really wrong mentally Mm -hmm. I just thought that was like normal parent overwhelm Mm -hmm. Um. So looking back, I realized that was probably my first real sign that something wasn't quite right because I was having a lot of moments like that at the beginning with my daughter. Um, So I wasn't actually diagnosed with postpartum depression and anxiety until my second baby was born almost a year and a half after my first. Um, And I was having a lot of trouble with um, returning to work uh, Mm -hmm. after maternity leave. So that was about six months after he was born. And a lot of times with postpartum depression, you're screened by your doctor for it. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, in the early days you go to like a one or two appointments maybe with your doctor after you have a baby and they do like a questionnaire, ask you some questions about how you're feeling, um, if you're having suicidal thoughts or actions. But th- that's the only time anyone really checks with you. Mm-hmm. Um, no one really thinks to check on you from a doctor perspective when you're at six months postpartum or nine, ten months postpartum. So um, when I went back to work, I was having a a he- he- lot of trouble adjusting to going back to work, taking not one but two kids to daycare. Um, I was pumping for my son at the time, pumping breast milk. I have a very long commute to and from work. I was spending three hours in the car every day, round trip. Um, So I was so overwhelmed. I would just get home, and I I couldn't function. I couldn't do anything. I didn't want to eat. I didn't want to participate with anything my family was doing. I was crying all the time, Um, and I was having some really scary thoughts. I was having thoughts about my family would be better off if I wasn't here. They wouldn't have me bringing them down all of the time. I can't be there for them in the way that I want to be there for them. Um, That's when I reached out to my doctor and was like, something is not right.
0: Mm -hmm. I am,
1: I'm having a really, really hard time. Um, And I got a diagnosis. Um, They actually told me it was something called adjustment disorder Mm. at first, um, which is I believe it's just a term to say that you're having trouble adjusting to something big that's happened in your life. Um, But I was insisting that it was something a little bit more long term than that because adjustment disorder usually refers to a very short period of time that you're maybe having some trouble. Um, But eventually after I was matched up with a therapist, we talked about um, it being more true postpartum depression and anxiety than anything else.
0: So you feel like when you're after your second born, that's where it was like, the most like the roughest. Because you were saying that you're going, like, I'm listening to this now. And I'm like, I had no idea that you were on. So me, I'm like, as a friend, I'm like getting really sad. I'm like, Oh, oh, Jess. (laughs) That's Um, okay.
1: I I didn't. I'm the kind of person where I don't ever want to burden anybody. So I really I have never really told anybody my my husband obviously has been here for me and he's amazing and helped mm-hmm. me through it. Um, I really leaned on him and I leaned on close family, but I'm very private about that kind of stuff. This is really the first time that I'm telling <laughs> anybody. <laughs> well, I figure if I can, if my experience can maybe, no, yeah. I don't know, let someone feel that they're not alone. Mm, um, of course. That's, that, yeah.
0: yeah <laughs> you were very, you know, you were very vulnerable and that took you a lot of courage. Like, honestly, I really do appreciate that. I was like listening to this and I was like, feeling i mean obviously i can never i can't re- i mean i can relate to the dark you know moments because you know you know my situation everything like that but i'm like i feel like when someone who may be experiencing it and don't really know it and then you're talking about all everything you went through they may think oh maybe i'm have you know postpartum or the adjustment disorder i've never even heard of adjustment disorder so yeah sure- i hadn't
1: either i hadn't either Ah uh, yes,
0: yeah, so I'm assuming that like whoever listens, be like, "Oh wait, I never heard of this. Let me go reach out to my doctor." Like I've have when I post content, like a lot of people do, comment. They're like, "Wait, maybe I should talk to a therapist." Like that happens a lot, and yeah. people can find this if they if they hear someone talking about it, and then they're listening, and they're like, "Oh my goodness, I'm experiencing the exact same thing. I should go get help." So this could, you know, help a lot of people, and it really, you know, it takes that person to like have the kind of courage to like go on the internet. And talk about their experience, so that's amazing. And I know I feel like people that we know personally are gonna be like Jessica. You're gonna probably get text <laughs> messages,
1: maybe. But <laughs> thank you for thinking that I'm courageous. I don't. I definitely don't feel like I'm courageous really like, ever. But um, I appreciate you saying that.
0: What? What would? You, how would you describe it as like mom brain?
1: Yeah. Um, so the way that I feel about mom brain is that. I have prioritized everything for my family and my kids, and I I tend to put myself last. So when it comes to remembering anything that is outside of something that's directly impacting my kids or my family as a whole, I have a hard time finding space for it in my head, and I always feel a little foggy. Mm -hmm. Um, I listen to a podcast called Mom Well, and Uh – the host of that podcast is a, um, a psychotherapist, I believe, and she specializes in perinatal disorders and motherhood in general. And she talks a lot about something called the invisible load of motherhood. So um, there's like a running checklist that I think typically, if we're talking about, you know, traditional gender stereotypes, um, there's a running checklist that moms usually have in their head as opposed to maybe their dad or their their partner um in the relationship but i'm talking about like um so for example for me i always have this running checklist of like okay um my daughter's in size 4t clothes right now but she just hit a growth spurt she needs some more clothes i need to go buy her all new clothes in size 5t and oh by the way her crocs were fitting her feet kind of small the other day so i need to go get her more shoes and we're almost out of applesauce i need to do a grocery order on instacart and get like snacks for them for the week and I have all this laundry I need to do and um Violet just finished soccer classes so um I need to see if I can get her in swim classes for the summer and we have a birthday party next weekend so I have to make sure I get a present and a card for this other kid for his birthday party and um and then, so I have all of these like running things that I typically try to keep organized for our family um and my husband might have that same running list in his head but he yeah. just approaches it differently than I do. Yeah. And it's exhausting, right? So like yeah. everything I just talked about has nothing to do with my job. You know, I right. work full time. Yeah. Um and I am um <clears throat> like a manager so I have a lot of other people at work that I'm responsible for. Yeah. So um I have to have like different parts of my brain that I turn on and off and and to me my mom brain All of that, the stuff about my kids and my family, that is priority number one. Yeah, of course. It will always be the most important thing. So when I do turn on my work brain Mm -hmm. or like the part of my brain that's for, you know, my friends or like for hobbies, those tend to feel a little bit more foggy because I've used so much energy on all the mom stuff. Uh (laughs) So I don't know. That's how I think about mom brain. That
0: Um, actually is such a great way to explain it. Oh, my goodness. That was beautiful. I have a question for you on that. So you have all this stuff you got to do and you have like all these categories. Okay. So you make sure obviously your, your kid has uh, clothes that fit them properly. Make sure they're being fed properly. Snacks, food, hobbies, all this stuff to make sure that you are not only keeping your child alive, but like being a really like good mother and raising them and teaching them like, you know, manners and like things like that. Like there's so much... More to like, you know, taking care of a kid than just keeping them fed and alive, you know what I mean? So, Absolutely, I yeah. mean, uh, yeah. Um, what do you do? Like, do you have resources and stuff that you use to help you
1: keep all of this together? That's a really good question. Something that I've been working on getting better at because I utilize a lot of different planning tools. So, um, I will typically rely on like my phone, um you know, any kind of like calendar or reminder or checklist on my phone really helps to keep me and my family organized. So um, my husband and I are, we, we, we share a, I think it's a reminders list on our iPhones um, that. that we both have access to. So whenever there's something that comes up, especially groceries during the week, if we're out of something, we both have access to this checklist. And so if he adds something to it, I get an alert on my phone. And then if I add something to it, He gets an alert. So we have a couple different ones. We have, like, one for groceries, one for, like, stuff for the house, one for our dog. Um, So that helps us because he also works full-time. We have opposite Mm -hmm. schedules. So, like, we are – he is my partner in every aspect. And so I cannot parent without him. And I think – I hope he feels he cannot parent without me. So we try to team. (laughs) I love you
0: guys. Uh, (laughs)
1: Cheers, Steven. (laughs) You rock. (laughs) (laughs) You guys are great. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, he's he's amazing. I'm so, so thankful for him. Um, but yeah, we just try to communicate as much as possible. And um, we use our phones. And then I also have um, in our laundry room, we have like a whiteboard calendar. So I'll try to keep things organized on, on my whiteboard calendar, which um, I really probably am not the best person to talk about that right now because my whiteboard calendar is currently still in the month of April. I have not updated it. And made it current. Uh, it didn't even make it into May. <laughs> and I love it's currently how June,
0: but. real, I appreciate the realness. Like I'm like literally the same way. Like I was on someone's podcast and they're like, oh, so what's your morning routine like? And I'm like, I get out of bed. I brush my teeth. I drink my coffee. I, <laughs> like, like like, a lot of people would answer like, oh, I meditate. I do this. Like I was just like, I wake up. I brush my teeth. <laughs> I roll out of bed. <laughs> she was like justine i love you for being so real with me right now she's like yeah. i never had anyone like i she's like i asked this question to so many people and you're the only one that answered like that. all right so let's dive into your work obviously we're not going to talk about what you do you mentioned you're a manager and you work full-time it is a lot that you are managing a team and also managing a household um so when you you did mention how when you were going from your second child when you were going back to work it was kind of rough for you. Do you like, um do you like have boundaries set at work?
1: Um, I try to, yes. And I'm probably one of the only people that I work with who does. And I have often felt like I am kind of on an island trying to set boundaries with my job. Um but yes, so I'm a manager. Um I lead a team of people. I work daytime hours, but um, I do have people reaching out to me um, very early in the morning, all the way to very late at night. Me, um, <laughs> I've done that. Oops, I'm guilty. <laughs> that's okay. That's okay. I mean, that's I mean that's part of my job. Um, but I try very hard to be um, the type of person who, you know, I, I I have my family in the morning, and I have my family in the evening, and I have my family on the weekends. So when I am with them, that is who I am focused on, and I am not the type of person that typically will um, check my work email first thing in the morning unless there's like some big thing happening at work where I need to be, mm-hmm. um, and then same after hours, um, and my team knows that about me, and I think culturally, they understand, okay, if, if I try to reach out to Jessica, And it's not during her normal working hours. There's a good chance she's not going to respond until she is back in the office on normal working hours. Um, The minute I have in the past maybe blurred that line, uh, then there's almost an expectation set that I um, will be responding to emails or text messages or phone calls when I'm with my family. And so I try very hard not to blur that line because I don't want to create a precedent um, or you know, just disrupt that dynamic and people expect something from me that I'm not going to be able to sustain. So it has been very important to me to create some sort of boundary with my work because I don't want my, my children or my husband or my friends or, you know, my mom and dad or whomever to feel like my attention is split and that I'm distracted by work when I'm trying to spend time and focus on them. So that's, I try very hard to focus on what's in front of me at that time. So the same can be said for when I'm, you know, at work, when I'm actively working during my, my normal working hours, I work hard and I try to stay very organized and give, you know, my job 100% of my focus. Um, So, so yeah, so boundaries have been very, very important to me. Um, And I kind of feel like a trailblazer sometimes at work because I don't have anyone that, there's no example for me, like no one else that I work with is like that. Yeah, hours, no, I so. remember
0: you saying that I felt like you were when I was when I was working for you. Um, I remember I remember you were you were you were going through that where like no one really understood why you would have to take time off for this or boundaries. And I feel because there's like this whole thing like on a generation above us is that it's like work, 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 hustle, hustle, hustle. And it's like you and I both understand that it's like at the end of the day, it's like family is the most important. And yeah, i work,
1: understand. works not going to love you back, you know, like I <laughs> that's just I'm there for a paycheck and I'm there because I love the company I work for. And, yeah. you know, I like the people I work with, of course, but um, ultimately, like my family will always be my top priority and the most important thing to me. So
0: I saw this on yeah. uh, TikTok lately uh, yesterday of Blake Lively. She was uh, I don't know if it was an award show or something like that, but she was saying how um how her husband. She was saying like, "Oh, you know, her husband's Ryan Reynolds." He's like, mm-hmm. "My husband's, um, I'm my uh, hu- my husband's home. Like, our girls are his home." He's like, "He would, he like, he would always come running home right after work, and if he had like fake blood on him, or like, you know, obviously he's an act, he's an actor, so we have like all this stuff." He's like, "If if he came home and he didn't, he wasn't in his like." work out like work costumes and stuff like that i'll be concerned because he was saying like yeah. she was saying like how as soon as i guess they're done maybe they will like say cut or oh, no sorry like oh it's a wrap like he would like come running home because he knew that then at the end of the day like your home life is more important it's like it, it, he just puts more energy she was saying like if you you see all his movies and you see how the magic he puts in but let me tell you at home he really puts the magic in it's like it was just so like sweet and wholesome and I like watched it like 20 times and I'm like oh I'm like it was just so powerful and then like you and then and then like the camera goes to him in the audience he's like had a tear going down his Aww. and it's like and it's true it's like I feel like I, I we I always really try to think of us like n- like naturally like you know back in the day we didn't have this kind of society and culture and it's like we're born and we're meant to you know survive and be a family and that's like the most important thing and it's like people forget that and it's yeah. because of like the culture and the society and it's, like United States is like known for like they're hustling and bustling and stuff like that and then like especially also like I feel like it has a lot to what state you're in too like if you're in New York you're all about more hustle bustle versus like if you're like in like I don't know like Mississippi or something like
1: that. <laughs> yeah um, like, like a more rural area or something
0: yeah, I mean I hope like you could find someone that in the company that like gets it. All right. Um, so there's a lot of saying that once you become a mother, you know, your whole life does change. Some mothers are saying that they don't remember who they were before they were a mother. How's that happened to you?
1: Yeah, it definitely has. Um, because I shifted what was the most important to me. Uh, that became my, my babies. And um, Mm -hmm. so I kind of put every other thing that made me me on the back burner. Um, And a lot of that experience for me personally, I think is because I chose to breastfeed my kids. So I was literally on demand feeding them um, every, you know, anywhere from every 30 minutes to every three, four hours, um, you know, 24 hours a day. For, I mean, almost two years um, between both of my kids. So that's a lot of time that I really couldn't spend away from them um, or, you know, do something that they weren't involved in, um, such as like a hobby or going, um, you know, on a trip or spending time with a friend. Because I would always have to have this thought in the back of my mind of, okay, I either need to get home at this time because they're going to be hungry And they won't take a bottle. They only want mommy. Um, Or I would have to pump and I would have to allot time for that. Um, In fact, I remember a time when um, my son had just started at daycare. It was the week before I went back to work from maternity leave after he was born. And um, my husband and I had an opportunity to go and ride a brand new attraction at a Disney theme park. And um, I had to bring a backpack with my pump and bottles and a cooler, and I had to literally time when I was going to be in the queue at the attraction, when I could find my way over to baby care and find a private space to pump, and then I had to figure out how am I going to store my milk in the hot Florida sun, and then how much time do we have to get back to the car before it needs to be refrigerated. And The entire experience was so stressful that it made me not even like want to leave the house ever I don't didn't want to do anything (laughs) so for me that was that all of those things contributed to this feeling of a lost identity like I don't even know who I am outside of the food maker you know like the breast milk supply supplier and um and the person who they want to be with so um I have made I have had to make make a very mindful concentrated effort to change that thought process and um Um, and step away from either being with them every single free moment that I have, my husband will literally have to look at me and say, I, you know, I've got it. They're fine. I'm going to play with them for like an hour and a half. You like go take a solo target trip (laughs) or, um, I've recently taken up gardening. I I love very, very much. Yeah. So he'll be like, go and take care of your garden for like an hour. Like go spend an hour outside in the sun and get your hands in the dirt. But I almost have to have someone tell me sometimes because I kind of forget, like I put myself last. And I think that that's such a universal experience for a lot of moms is that they feel like either they don't trust anyone to to do the motherhood part that they feel responsible for, um, or they don't have anyone to help them and they have to because they have no other choice. Or they just have a lot of anxiety about, um, am I being a good mom if I take this time or myself, and mm-hmm. I'm not spending every free moment with my kids. So, um, yeah, I think that's why it's such a commonly experienced thing, um, because so many people go through it. Because you're yeah. responsible for this little life, and you feel terrible doing anything that's not directly related to that.
0: That's like a whole like mom guilt thing that we were chatting about. Yeah, so it's if all I... kind of intertwined. Yeah. So, if I ask you right now, who is Jessica? <laughs> a load of question.
1: Um. I, <laughs> I
0: don't. This is when your interrogation started. <laughs> I know. My goodness. Um, I just want to give you that time right now. Right now, we um, your kids are napping. Your yeah. husband's there. If they wake up, you're with me on this podcast. So, what would who would you say Jessica is? I mean, I was. How about how about this? I'll start. Um, Jessica to me is a badass leader. I remember when I first met her, I'm like, she's a princess. (laughs) Your hair was perfect. Your makeup was perfect. You're so pleasant. And I'm like, she's a princess. And I was like, I look up to you. And I was like, I want to be like her. And you're also a person that is really good at giving amazing advice. You're someone that allows that is... That is a comfort zone for a lot of people. I mean, I've cried with you multiple times on meetings. (laughs) Uh, Meetings between me and you, not meetings, just like with everybody like there. You know what I mean? Um, Jessica. Oh, she likes to do some ballet, whatever that dance thing was that she invited me to that I never shut up to. Um, She enjoyed doing that. She enjoys um trying to think of ways to get the team engaged, some some fun activities. She is a giver, a nurturer. Um she went to college. I don't know what she went to college for.
1: <laughs> Do you want me to answer that? <laughs> um, I went to college for business. Okay. But yes, I did go to college. <laughs>
0: But, I know you um, went to college. <laughs> I just didn't know what you majored
1: in. I forgot what you majored in.
0: <laughs> okay, take it over, girl.
1: <laughs> oh, well, I mean, how can I top that, Justine? Um, that's I mean, me in a nutshell.
0: <laughs> I mean, you know yourself better than I know you. So, I mean, you should. I hope you do. Um, but I remember in the beginning, you didn't really show your true self to me. You were like, Yeah, I never said this to you, but you were like a hard ass to me in the beginning. (laughs) Well, there was a level
1: of, like, professionalism I was trying to maintain. No, you were so... Until we got to know each other a little bit better.
0: But that was a different me. Like, I was back... That that was more of just, like, my own fault, like, not taking constructive... Like, you were really big in constructive criticism. Like, you were so big on that. Like, you should have told me if I'm applying for something, you'd be like no 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 no
1: like you know <laughs> i what? just want to make sure that you are set up for success that's no all. no no see at the time i didn't think of that i was like why would she sell so me to <laughs> oh me? that makes me sad i'm sorry you oh, ever felt that no. way <laughs> no. oh my goodness no, um, no no you're good i
0: think no it was actually good for me because i tell people like you help me really reach a certain point breakthrough in like my personal development like a lot of people like if i you know give them push criticism like they'll like take it the wrong way this thing something like that but it's it, it was probably just my own personal demons being like thinking i'm not good enough and i think um probably i didn't really have anybody like you that was like i mean the person before she she was but I only had it for, like, three months while you were more, like, long-term. And then, like, I- another thing where I I like that you kind of kept me grounded and you kept me, like, being a- realistic with me. Like, I remember if I get, like, upset, like, oh, why did she not believe in me? But, like, you weren't doing that because you didn't believe in me. You were just, like, being realistic and, like, we need things like, we need people like that. Because if someone is just, like, always been oh, yeah, like, you'll get it or stuff. I, I feel like it's kind of like it go both ways. Like we want people to believe in people, but like you do need people to kind of like keep you grounded. And um, sometimes like I would go for something where I probably wasn't qualified for. And that's like where my mania kicks in, where I'm thinking I'm like God or something like that. So maybe I was probably going I don't know. But um.
1: <laughs> well, I just, I care a lot about everything, you know, in my in my work, in my personal life, I I always try to put you know one hundred and fifty percent in. So I always come from a place of like I really care about you, and I just want to make sure you understand maybe what you are getting yourself into, right? Or you do you understand like the reality it. of the situation? And yeah, yeah. Well, I am like glad I
0: like you weren't like mean, like you weren't like <laughs> just didn't get a grip or anything like that. Like- <laughs> no like, you are so good at picking your words properly and I feel like I learned that from you really well so I feel like I feel like you're really good as like a mentor and like you just I feel like you're definitely in a perfect position when it comes to work and I feel that you have all those good qualities that you can provide that for like a wider 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 people wider people, wider audience you know so I guess I define you as that. Do you do sports?
1: <laughs> do I do sports? No, not. I mean, I I did like stuff as a yeah, as a kid. But uh, I was just trying to think of
0: like now. hobbies and stuff like that. Like, were you were you into sports? Did you do soccer? Did you? Well, you wait. till so did you just start like discovering? Like not discovering. Oh my gosh, did you just start like getting into gardening, or is that kind of something you like always liked?
1: Um, I grew up around gardens and gardening. Um, uh, most people in my family have an amazing green thumb. Mm-hmm. And um, so I've always kind of been around um, growing your own food and growing flowers and trees and just a general love of being outside and nature. And But I never really had time um, or time to dedicate to it. And I also didn't really have space for it. So um, I would sometimes grow. Like when I lived in an apartment um, a few years ago, I would grow things maybe on my balcony, um, but, you know, just small things in pots like a succulent here and there. But um, now that I'm in a um, a house with a backyard, I was able to do like an actual garden bed for the first time. So um, gardening is something that has been, it's a newer hobby for me just like starting this year. Mm -hmm. Um, But I love it because it gets me outside in the sunshine. And it gives me – I think it speaks to, um, like, the nurturing side of me. I really like to just take care of others, whether that's, mm. you know, like a living human being or a plant. <laughs> <laughs> I love to be – I love to to watch something growing and thriving. It is so rewarding. Um, so I have a very small vegetable garden. Um, and, you know, I live in Florida. So there really isn't a lot that grows in the middle of this super um, – hot heat that we're having right now um but i have like some pepper plants and i had tomatoes this year and radishes and carrots and there is just something so incredibly rewarding about watching these little tiny seeds come to life and then being able to eat what they are producing um so i'm just in love with it and i'm so excited for the winter months here in florida where it cools off a little bit and i can maybe try some different things um you know, out and see how they grow in the backyard. So, um, yeah, I, I actually talked to my therapist about gardening because, um, that was something, um, so when I was diagnosed with postpartum depression, I started seeing a therapist, um, once a week mm-hmm. and, um, it was, my therapist was very straightforward about me needing to have something outside of taking care of my kids and working to look forward to. And so that was kind of what, um, she encouraged me to have look into gardening because it was something that I was interested in. Mm-hmm. And um, she made a comment about how being out in nature is one of the best things you can do for your mental health because you need fresh air. We're, you know, Humans are kind of like plants. You need fresh air, mm-hmm. sunshine, a good drink of water every once in a while. Um, but it's almost like your, your body intuitively knows or like your soul knows what you need when you're really going through something and you're really struggling with something. And, um, a lot of times people like subconsciously will seek out time in nature when they are the most stressed out. So some people that might look like going to the beach, a lot of people tend to gravitate towards the beach for vacations, um, Mm. or going hiking, Mm -hmm. um, you know, in the mountains maybe, or, um, um, going to a park, you know, with their friends and family on the weekends. But a lot of times it's just about being outside and being in nature. (laughs) And I think that's why, I wanted to do gardening is because it gave me an excuse to be outside just here at my own home. Um, mm-hmm. And it was, yeah, it was like int- intuition. Like my soul knew I needed something because I was in such a dark place a couple months ago, um, you know, after my diagnosis. So
0: yeah. Yeah. You know what I did one time I went outside and I laid on the grass and I looked at the sky and it felt so good.
1: Yeah, grounding.
0: Yeah. Sometimes you just have to just like, Go into nature. I mean, humans weren't meant to live like this. Yep, you know, yep. being surrounded by pollution. Oh, no, actually, no, pollution is more New Jersey. um
1: <laughs> I think it's global, a global <laughs> issue now. Oh, New
0: Jersey. <laughs> New Jersey is like, you see a thing, you see it. Like, you literally, and like your friends say, oh, pollution. Like, it's really that bad. um But anyway, um yeah, no, and then, no, you're 100% right. And I, it's definitely very relaxing. And then, you know, hiking and I always feel like so much better after going hiking and then just being in the ocean. It's like, yeah, when you, it gets when your you
1: endorphins up and- yeah,
0: like you can feel it. And mm-hmm. that's, I think that's why like, you know, mental health is mental health problems. Is such a crisis these days is because we're living in a world where it's doesn't benefit us at all. Like our brains, yeah. it's kind of insane. Really? Like, think about it. Um, so, you talked about how you – do you still see a
1: therapist? Um, I do, yeah. I don't see one every week now. I'm at about every other week, um, but I was seeing a therapist every week for about three months, and now I'm every other week or so,
0: yeah. Okay, yeah, that, that makes sense. Um, do you – there is – so, yes, I was doing some research before this, and I was wondering if there was therapy that was specialized in motherhood um, so apparently there is, it's like a couple of different places. Um, do you feel, I feel like I already know your answer, but do you feel like they should just pretty much just make that like, um, a regular practice?
1: Yes, absolutely. I think that, um, in fact, I believe other countries, they do mental health check-ins, um, during the postpartum period
0: mm-hmm. because
1: perinatal mood disorders are such a huge crisis worldwide. Um, but it's especially bad here in the U.S. I think because we don't have, um, very good care for mothers in the postpartum period at all. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not sure exactly. I don't remember the exact statistic off the top of my head, but it was something like one in four new mothers experience some sort of perinatal mood disorder, whether that's postpartum depression. um, um, Postpartum rage is also a big thing that people don't Mm -hmm. really talk about or know a lot about Um, because you're having so many hormonal fluctuations the chemistry of your brain literally changes when you have a baby. Um, your entire body changes. So, so yeah, I think that um, it would be absolutely just, um, it would change the face of our society if we offered more resources, especially mental health resources, to a new parent. And I, I, I want to speak for dads as well because mm-hmm. I know um, dads, dads can experience, you know, almost every single thing that moms do as well. Mm-hmm. entering parenthood and there are i mean there are damn near no resources for dads out there. Oh, yeah. Um people don't really think about them or or think mm-hmm. to include them or I should say um I should change my wording to be a little bit more inclusive. It, it, a non-birthing partner whether mm-hmm. that's male or female. Um there are not a lot of things out there for them. And and really like um when it comes to the, the postpartum period I had mentioned earlier in our time together that you go to, like, a six-week checkup, usually after you have a baby, and then mm-hmm. you may or may not also have a 10- or a 12-week checkup mm-hmm. with your doctor. Um, that, that I think, it just depends on the practice that you're going to and if you're seeing, like, a doctor versus, like, a midwife or going to a birthing center, for example. Um, but, you know, there's, like, like I mentioned, there's a screening, uh, like a questionnaire that you do but no one's really sitting you down and like doing a deep dive into what's going on in your daily life and how your relationship was with your baby. And are you sleeping? Are you eating well? Is someone there to help you or is everything about motherhood or parenthood falling only on you and your partner or just on you even? Um, So if they actually, if they made like some sort of, they, I don't know who that they would be, you know, if doctors or like Somebody decided that rather than just a questionnaire, there was actually, like, a scheduled dedicated time with a with a therapist of some sort, with a psychologist or someone who can actually sit down and be like, are you doing okay? Are you adjusting? Or even taking it one step further, um, postpartum doulas, having somebody mandatory, like, assigned to you to come and help you at your home for the first, I don't know week or couple weeks in the postpartum period to help you adjust and make sure that you're sleeping well and eating well and someone's helping you take care of things like cleaning bottles, doing laundry, diaper changes, all of those things that are out of the norm for someone who's just becoming a mother or a father, Mm -hmm. Um, that would also be just a total game changer when it comes to mental health, just having dedicated help. so there are so many things that this country could be doing better. That mm-hmm. could be that, you know, if we had some sort of advocate. And I think the more we talk about these things, even if yeah. it's just in a social setting, the more people become aware of it. In fact, I was talking to a friend of mine who um, whose kids are around the same age as mine. And we were talking about postpartum doulas. And she had never even heard of a postpartum doula. Uh,
0: and yeah, for those, I didn't know this either.
1: Yeah, I was going to say, for those who are listening, if you don't know what a doula is in general, um, a doula is a dedicated support person that's typically um, around during pregnancy and during birth. Mm-hmm. Um, it tends to be on the more holistic side of care. So usually if you're going to something like a birth center for care during the the, um, the pregnancy period, um, a doula is somebody who may or may not actually participate in like helping the baby come into the world, but will definitely be there to support the birthing parent. Mm-hmm. Um either with, like, you know, massages or breathing techniques or just someone to lean on, you know, physically and not physically, (laughs) you know, mentally to lean on. Yeah, yeah. Um, But they also provide, like, there are doulas out there that provide support in the postpartum period as well, who literally will come to your home and um, almost act as, like, a caregiver for you and your baby and help ease you into the motherhood journey because you know n- none of us were ever meant to do any of this alone um yeah motherhood and parenthood and raising. I mean, it takes children. two to tango well and it's a village right we don't have a yeah. village anymore um the way that our society that is, is so we- true
0: i didn't even like think that for like a second wow you are so right you know christina always said the whole takes a village <laughs> she always was like the- I think that's like the first time i heard that saying was from christina like really? How it takes a village yeah i think that was the first time i ever heard that saying but no you're right when i was helping my friend with with you know because she was working and her husband works and whatever she also has like a, two people that live in the house that like rent a room and they like help out too like one person will like pick up the kid and one person will like help with the bathing and if, the if, if the mom's not home and i'm literally I, I told my friend i was like this really does take a village and she was like huh i'm like i never heard that saying she's like no and i'm like think about it like I'm helping with this. You're cleaning this. This person. Did it. I'm like, this is like a village. And she's like, oh yeah, you're right. I'm like, yeah. And and if you're yeah, I didn't think of it like that back in the day. There were like villages and like and it helps out. So it's like doing it all at once. It's like, yeah. It. I feel like people would just like lose their mind. And then, and then if they don't have like that village and they have that kind of support, that has bad mental health. And then that makes that mother anxious and could end up being like if they go to a dark place, they could be abusive to the kid because they don't know what to do. And that's like, I feel like that's like, where like the mess, like that domestic violence um, child abuse comes from. So yeah. It's like
1: things. Um, yeah. there was actually, I'm not sure if you, um, saw the article about the mom in, Oh gosh. I want to say it was New Jersey, but maybe I'm wrong, but there was a mother, um, maybe it was Massachusetts. I believe it was Massachusetts. Um, who, um, was in the, in the news, I think in the fall last year, because she, um, she had multiple little kids. I want to say four, but maybe I'm wrong. And, um, she, you know, unfortunately, um, took their lives and then took her own life.
0: I think I heard about it actually. I think she went to like a psychosis. Yep. I think I I read that article.
1: Yeah. And it was undiagnosed, you know, and, and it's like, by the time you catch things like that, it's, I mean, obviously, it's way too late, and who knows what was happening in her life before that hand that that stage. But um, I mean, I, I you know, unfortunately, that those things are becoming more and more common because there's so much pressure and stress in society right now, and and literally hardly any support for parents. Um, um, even just like uh, kind of shifting gears a little bit, but talking about childcare. Um, yeah, childcare how expensive is just, it is. Oh my goodness. Well, and then coming out of the pandemic, you know, it wasn't even available for, you know, the oh, well. years for a lot of people. Um, like my family, we weren't even able to put my daughter into childcare for the first 18 months of her life because of the pandemic. Um, so we were both, my husband and I were both working from home, opposite schedules, opposite days off, taking care of um our daughter b- because we didn't have any childcare options and we don't live close enough to family that we could asked to come and help us um we have family in the area but you know a couple hours away yeah so we didn't really have anyone to help us and um that's so true for so many people who Mm -hmm. have experienced parenthood for the first time in the last couple years
0: yeah that's that's crazy i didn't have no idea you didn't like have the well i mean i definitely knew that uh i didn't know that daycare wasn't i mean it makes sense because the germs and everything like that all right. I feel like we had such good conversation. We literally talked about so much. We talked about you as a person, self-doubt, giving amazing and valuable advice of what you what you do and how you handle mom brain. I think that was amazing. And then also I just like I feel like I've learned so much from you. And I really hope that everyone who did listen um, to this learned a lot as well from Jessica. Um, before do close it out, I always do always like to like, ask like, if you have like a last piece of advice for my audience to a mother that may be struggling.
1: Yes. Oh my goodness. I have, I feel like I have so many pieces of advice that I would love to be able to give, but, um, one of the ones I want to just uh, stress is that, for anyone who is struggling with, um, especially you know, postpartum mental health issues, or just mental health issues in general, um, the most like game changing thing that I have experienced is not being afraid to reach out and ask for help. Mm-hmm. Um, when I when I finally gathered up the courage to reach out to um, my doctor and say, "Hey, I'm I'm, at a, I'm in a really dark place. I'm really struggling." I need help. I had resources coming out of like the wazoo. Like I had so many people in my life who stepped up to help me. Um, My doctors helped me. I was able to get into therapy. I was able to take time off of work so that I could rest and focus on getting better. Um, And if I hadn't just scheduled an appointment with my doctor and been like, I need help, um, Mm -hmm. which is the first time in my entire life that I had really... um, afraid to go to anyone and say anything because I felt like it would be admitting failure, mm-hmm. saying that I was having a hard time adjusting to parenthood and that I was in this such a dark place because I was a mom.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I felt like I was failing and it took it took like starting therapy and like working through some of those um, those thoughts and that perspective that I was having and realizing I was thinking about everything completely wrong um to change that perception but that was that's advice I would give is just don't be afraid to ask for help therapy is life-changing rely on the people in your life who love you to support you Mm -hmm. whether that's a partner or a parent or a friend you know chosen family is just as important as actual biological family Mm -hmm. um but people who love you will step up for you if you ask them for help but sometimes people don't know what you're going through if you don't talk to them about Mm -hmm. it So um, the more people who you tell, you know, and who you can rely on, then that makes you stronger. Mm -hmm. And then it also makes you realize that you're not in anything alone.
0: Thank you, Jessica.
1: You're welcome.
0: I really appreciate it. I always, I knew coming on, when you coming on here, I'm like, she's going to always give the best advice. So comforting.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I'm I'm glad you think that way because I still feel like I am figuring out. Things every day, like in fact, this morning I had like a breakdown to my husband because I was we had done grocery shopping and my daughter has had tantrums this morning and I was like, "What am I doing wrong? Why is it oh. not getting easier?" But I still have days like that because, yeah, you know, that's part of the healing process. Is like, okay, I can have a day like this, but I'm not going to unpack and live here. Yeah, I'm going to use what I've been taught through therapy. I'm going to lean on my husband for support and, um and realize like this is just a day we're going to get through it this is not like life you know this yeah. is just a season everything's temporary it's okay um but yeah I, there's so i'm glad that you thought i can give good advice because there are days that i feel like i still need to give myself advice
0: <laughs> yeah you, you always you always say that when i come to you not like you know i don't come to you for mother advice i'm not a mother but i always come to you with like i guess like um work stuff like of
1: life yeah like life would, stuff too yeah. i would just say
0: yeah like life and when i'm having like self doubt and then you always are so good at believing in me and stuff like that because you know me and stuff like that and i keep saying stuff like that remember you can tell me to stop saying like a million times and i
1: <laughs> i forgot about that yeah
0: yeah it like, like this whole thing like we always kept revisiting it justine you keep saying like too much <laughs> And I'm like, I'm sorry. <laughs> All right. So I want to wrap this up here. Thank you guys so much um, for listening to this episode. And stay tuned for next week's episode of Mentally a Badass. And again, thank you, Jessica, for coming and donating your time to this podcast.
1: Yeah, that's my pleasure. Thank you for having me.